too. See? I. Irvine. Hello, my name is Kimberly Martin, and you're listening to Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Opinions expressed on this show are totally mine and do not reflect the opinions of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County and other shows, please go to KUCI.org. Well, hello, Heather. Thank hello. you for being back here with me again. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. You keep me on the straight and narrow. You know that, right? Uh, yeah, I kind of figured that. <laughs> oh, well, um, it's kind of funny, but I don't think I've ever told you why I wanted to do this show. Oh, no, I don't think you'd have. Well, um, it's it's most things that happen to me are pretty random. So, well, I guess if you believe in that, but um, I got this opportunity through a good friend, and um, then it just turned into something here at KUCI. And I thought, you know, it's a real opportunity to do something for a community that I have met so many amazing people through, and. Probably the most important thing is I realized that there are so many unsung heroes here. I would, when I lived in Laguna Beach years ago, I went to college and um, lived in Laguna while I was single. And I would sit down at this cafe and I would just hang out there all weekend long and read or do whatever. And the people that would walk up into my life just always astounded me. There were so many extraordinary people. And I just thought, well, you know what? What a great opportunity this show would be to sit and talk to some of those people and let all of us here in Orange County know what kind of wonderful people are living among us um, and sing the praises of some of those people. So that was that was kind of how I got the idea. It's a different concept for KCI, so I, I like it. Is it? Yeah. How in what way? Oh, a lot of our shows have to deal with politics, or most of our shows deal with politics or health, and um, and we're getting more into health actually. And um, Real People of Orange County is a little bit different than what we normally do here at the station. Yeah. Well, how do you think the format's going so far? I think it's going well. I think um, the show's continuing to grow, and um, you're growing as a host. And I think uh, there's nothing but blue skies ahead. Oh, well, good. Well, I yeah. hope you're part of that. I, I don't really want to do this without you. Oh, um, but it's interesting that you say that that you usually deal with politics because I feel like when you live in part of a community, there are well politics always starts at a very grassroots level, and we um, yeah. we saw that a little bit with our last show where we uh, dealt with a family that was dealing with MRSA and she had no choice but to change the politics of the way things were happening, and so was so moved by her personal tragedy that she went into state government and participated in changing the legislature. And that's really the way things should be done is, I mean, you really, I mean, there's more things you can do besides voting for two dingbats every two, four years, two to four years. So, um, yeah, I mean, most of change, most change happens. In fact, all change happens when people, you know, get up the motive to do something about it. Well, Um, our guests that are here in the studio today, I agree with you, and they are two young boys that probably didn't want to be in a situation to change things, but um, just by being courageous, young souls are are in fact probably going to change things for a lot of people that are dealing with um, 
a common illness that they deal with. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I think it's important for our listeners to know that out there, it really only does take one, or in these boys' cases, maybe two people to make a difference just by being courageous enough to stand um, up and deal with what life has given you. And so in the studio today, we have three people. We have Brandon George, Jake Smith, and Debbie Margolis. And together, they are here representing uh, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. And why this is significant to us here at KUCI is UCI is going to be hosting a walk for this cause. And we want to give a little shout out to that and have people participate if they are so moved, especially after today's show, to be a part of that. It's coming up in June. It's going to be on the 24th. It's a Sunday, and it's going to be held in Aldrich Park here on campus. So um, Brandon and Jake and Debbie, welcome to the studio. Hi. Say hello. (laughs) Thank you. Good. I'm glad you're here. Um, So we're going to talk today about Crohn's and um, ulcerative colitis. Um, I cannot believe how many people I know that are touched by this disease. This is a incurable disease, and um, I think believe it's an immunological disease. We're going to learn about that through your personal stories, and Debbie's also going to share what we can do as community activists if we're interested in participating. So tell us, um, tell us a little bit about you. Who wants to go first? I'll go. Um, hi, my name okay. is Brandon. There we go. There's Brandon. Um, I'm 18, and um, I have Crohn's disease. I uh, I met Jake probably, I think it was seventh grade. I'll never forget it. We, you know, first day of school, we both walked into math class. We'd never seen each other before, and coincidentally, we both had seating next to each other. We, you know, started out with a small talk, you know, where, where, where we were from, from schools, um... And then we just kind of hit it off from there. And, you know, every day we started hanging out more and more. We started going to each other's houses. Um, Eventually, you know, when I felt more comfortable, you know, when Jake was a better friend, I told him, you know, what I had going on with my Crohn's and, you know, how it affected me in my life. And um, eventually, you know, I I was going through some complications with that. And then eventually Jake caught it. And, you know, it was who knew that, you know, we, we would eventually meet each other when Jake didn't have it and I had it and like pretty much two best friends like got the same illness it's just it's, uncanny. it's a one in a million kind right. of chance it's almost as if you were put there together to yeah. meet each other and help each other through this um Jake do you remember that day yeah I mean it was we hit it off right off the bat um we just had a lot in common um and I mean the chances are that we met each other that day I mean, it just could have been two guys who never met each other, but then the chances are that we end up having the same disease is amazing. I mean, we can talk to each other and we can feel comfortable about it. Um, it's just great that we met. We can, have, we can talk to people we know, and uh, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation made that even better. It made us connect even better, and we even learned a whole bunch more that we didn't even know. Um if you're just tuning in with us, this is Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, and we are visiting with Brandon and Jake, and they are telling us about um, their personal triumphs with dealing with Crohn's disease. And um, those triumphs probably come on a daily basis when you just get up out of bed. Tell us a little bit about what your daily life is like. Um, well, I guess I'll go first. Um, well, it's been doing pretty good the last year, um, but... 
And every every day, I mean, this disease is so random. It can, you can do great one day. You can be outside playing, you know, playing sports, doing whatever you, you do physically, and you can wake up the next day with a full on, you know, your Crohn's can be completely flared up. You can be having crazy stomach pains. It, it's just, it's a night and day disease for a lot of people that have Crohn's and colitis. It's it's just crazy. Jake, are you experiencing it in the same way? Yeah, I mean, it definitely has its ups and downs. Um, lately, I've been going through mostly downs. Um, just today, in fact, I mean, my I'm in a flare right now, and my joints are inflamed, so it just makes it hard just to get around and do everyday stuff. I mean, walking up, walking around, just getting out of a chair is difficult for me. Yeah, and you're here. I'm so glad you are. You know, um, Debbie, would, this would be a good time to bring you into the conversation because so many of us have heard of Crohn's and colitis. A lot of us talk about irritable bowel syndrome um, or inflammatory bowel syndrome. Um, parse this out for us a little bit. Tell us, as the listeners, what these diseases are. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, first of all, there is a difference before inf- between inflammatory bowel disease and irritable bowel syndrome. IBS is a relatively common syndrome. It's really not a disease. It's more, generally people have flare-ups if they're eating something or stress, things of that nature. Things that could be temporary then for them, that they can change. Usually, treatment is more, it involves more changing lifestyle. Mm. IBD, as it's called, which is inflammatory bowel disease, usually involves two diseases, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Those two, two diseases, we don't we don't have know the the cause and we don't know the cure yet. We do know there's a genetic component, and then there's a trigger, an environmental trigger. We don't we pretty much have the genetics. We're getting down to which genes create, and what we're discovering is actually there's a lot of different kinds of Crohn's disease and a lot of different kinds of ulcerative colitis. The researchers are really um, making incredible progress on this disease. What we don't know yet is how to cure it. We frequently don't quite have the right treatments, as Jake is experiencing today. We don't have the answer how to make his joint pain go to go away, or as Brandon was discussing, we don't know how to make that gut pain go away. We do have more treatments than we did 20 years ago, but we still have a ways to go. Okay. What is the scope of this disease, and if we can look at it on a national basis, and and maybe just even on a local basis? Sure. We think approximately about 1.4 million people have the disease. About they say about one in 200. Most people know someone who has IBD. It's as I always say, it's not something people want to talk about at a cocktail party because it involves symptoms that take place in the bathroom, and nobody really wants to talk about that. But most people do know someone who has IBD. Um, we say here in Orange County, we probably have about 15,000 people that have the disease. Traditionally, the, dis- the diagnosis for the disease came up pretty much late teens, early 20s, sometimes before age 30. We're seeing an almost epidemic numbers of um, children being diagnosed. We're not really sure why that is. Young children, 2, 5, 10 years old. That is so 
bizarre because I was going to say that my personal accounts with meeting people, they were all in their 20s, 30s when they found out about it. So, it, you know, they were grown. So it was almost yes. like, you know, maybe was it something they were doing, their lifestyle? Generally maybe. not. It, it's Again, it's our belief that there's the genetic makeup and then there's an environmental trigger. And we seem to be getting closer on that, but we just don't know yet what it is. I will tell you it's it's exclusive to Western cultures. It's um, something that, you know, just highly developed countries' Have. populations get. Um, so there, there is something that we're doing. Um, Diet may be related to... They've, they've done a lot of research on that. They just can't pinpoint it yet. Right. Boys, did any of you have food allergies when you were young, before you were diagnosed? No, I, I had no allergies at all. And, um, throughout the years, um, just when the Crohn's started really taking a toll on my immune system, that... Um, about a year ago, I found out I was actually allergic to um, certain dairy products, certain um, wheat, and certain wheat products. That I mean, I've eaten like certain cheeses all my life, and I guess one day I had um, I forgot what cheese it was, but I, I ate it, and I started getting really itchy in my throat. I was really hard to breathe, and it's almost and, uh, like an anaphylactic reaction. Yeah, and then we we um saw my um my immune doctor um to uh, talk to her about it and then we did some testing and apparently and turned up that I was uh, I think stage or um, level like there's like four different levels I think or five for um, to for, measure your, your the strength of your reaction yeah, to and I think I was like one for allergy. dairy and two for um, wheat one being the highest or the lowest? The lowest. lowest, yeah. Okay. So now I'm curious, did anybody test you early on in your diagnosis for food allergies? That wasn't a part of your diagnosis? No, no. that wasn't at all. Um, I've, I, I mean, f- throughout the last past, I think, four years, we've um, discovered a lot um, with my immune system. Just, I mean, I'm missing certain antibodies that I, we didn't, we had no clue about, you know, five, six years ago when I was having all these um, difficulties with surgeries and whatnot. And, um, and we and it was um, it was making a lot of sense once we found out because certain medications weren't working as they should. Right. And once we found out that I was missing the certain antibodies, that were like, oh, that makes sense now because the medication isn't working because I don't have those antibodies for my immune system, so it's pretty much fighting it more. Right. Just giving the medicine. It may it, I may feel good for a week or two with no stomach pains or um, like cramps or you know it, sometimes it'll hurt my joints and uh. I didn't have any of those, but in the long run, I would get more infections. I, w- I would, I would, I would um, get sick, you know, ten times easier. It was just, it was pretty hard. And then once we found that out, we stopped all those medications. And I've just been, I've been actually, I've been off all medication. I mean, I went from, you know, ten to twelve pills a day, plus um, IV um, antibiotics, well, not to. I'm on nothing right now. I'm, I'm just on you know, the daily vitamins. Do you, um, well, do either, well, both of you can comment on this. Do you either have a restricted diet now that helps you with your symptoms? I do. Um, with, throughout the surgeries, I mean, my first main surgery, I had my entire colon removed because it was, my original diagnosis was ulcerative colitis. And then we, I still had difficulties after that surgery, which where they remove the colon, they create a, um, a lot of people have I've I know countless people in the um, that I've met in CCFA and the Crohn's Class Foundation that um they have J pouches after they remove their colon and they have what say that slowly a, a J pouch okay and it's um 
it's they pretty much they take the small intestine and they it kind of recreate something to act like the large intestine once they completely remove it internally internally yes okay and uh it was just i mean difficulties from with that and um it it's it just um it's smaller intestine so mm-hmm. i can't really i can't have a lot of seeds i can't um i can't have any nuts or popcorn so usually when i go to the movie theaters i'll have um either a hot dog or their pretzels or whatnot so mm-hmm. that's kind of the restriction which kind of stinks but you know you get you get used to it and you know it's just it's just a part of life where you you, you adapt and you uh just get really used to it, i guess right right uh jake what about you um yeah no food bothered me i mean we tried like a gluten-free diet dairy-free and either times we tried those i we saw no difference so no foods have bothered me so i guess that's a good thing but then also we still need to figure out what's wrong right right um, you said that your doctors are trying to get your disease under control, right? Yes. Tell me what that entails and what that means. Well, it's difficult finding the right medication. I'm still going through flare-ups, which either affects stomach pain or more bathroom visits or joint pain, which is affecting right now. And um, Do things like just regular pain relievers do the trick or...? No, not really. I've tried taking some, and they really have not seemed to help. So your bag of tricks, would you say, is pretty small for things that you can do to alleviate the discomfort of your symptoms? Yeah, there's really nothing I can do. Um, You get used to the pain. I know it sounds weird, but you just get used to it and know that you really can't do anything about it. Right, right. Debbie, um, come in here with us again. Is this a pretty common experience for people dealing with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis? Yes, I would say that the pain, the symptoms the boys are describing are very common. Um, Brandon talked a little bit about surgery. Surgery is also very common. Um, My husband has um, had eight surgeries. He has Crohn's disease, has had had it for, um, I think he was diagnosed, well, he was diagnosed when he was 19. So um, he's had some pretty rough times. Um, So it's very common to undergo surgery and attempt to remove the disease, the diseased part of the small intestine or large intestine. Sometimes it's necessary. Oh, well, no, um, you just said something interesting, though. You said the diseased part. So does it? Does it? It's not a full system wide breakdown. It is. Well, there's two things. Ulcerative okay. colitis. Brandon was alluding to that. Is remains exclusively in the large intestine. Okay. So technically, by removing the large intestine, you can cure the disease. I know many people who've had their large intestine removed and have had constant infections and things of that nature. So I caution anyone, when you say cure, you think of it all being better. Just putting and it all behind you. It really isn't how it works. You can sometimes eliminate the disease, but you still have a lot of complications that just naturally would happen when you remove your large intestine. Crohn's disease can occur any place from the mouth to the anus, the entire digestive tract. So therefore, removing parts, you need to be careful if you remove too many parts, you really can't get the nutrition you need. Right. Interestingly enough, the body can live without a large intestine moderately easily. I, I hate to say easily because um, you just have to learn to adjust. You have to be careful. You have to make sure you don't get dehydrated. You have to watch your diet, very low-fiber diet. 
Remember, we eat a high-fiber diet so we don't get colon cancer. If you don't have a colon, suddenly a high-fiber diet isn't very important. It's not important, so and it probably actually exacerbates the problems. Exactly. Okay. So, but the, the, the um, digestive part of your digestive tract you absolutely must have is your small intestine. That's where you absorb all your nutrients. So it's critical that not too much of your small intestine is removed by surgery. Um, otherwise, you get something called short gut syndrome. Hmm. And short gut syndrome was something that occurred when we, we now have a handful of medications. We used to have two to treat the disease or maybe three. And so after using those medications and not getting results, sometimes surgery was just essential. But, you know, there are people that just, if you remove too much of the small intestine, you just cannot get the nutrition you need. Okay. Now, um, so, okay, tell me a little bit about the foundation work, because it seems important. Um, the boys found each other almost entirely on their own, which is the miracle that we're celebrating here today. But um, that's probably not the case for many other people that could benefit from a network of friends. It's not. And CCFA has been around for a very long time. Um, I always say when my husband was diagnosed we called CCFA, gave them our credit card, and we got a few books, and that was our um, information network. Now with the internet, um, just by going to the website, www.ccfa.org, it's a wealth of information. You can be part of a support group online. You can ask a nurse online. You can research medications, surgeries, how to handle a flare. All of those things can be done online now. And it really does help give people a network. There's also a nurse hotline you can call where you can talk to a real person. So CCFA, their mission is to do two things. Number one, cure inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, and to improve the quality of life for the children and adults that have the diseases. So the two things they work on is providing the support, which the website does, and then raise money for research. CCFA is right after the National Institute of Health in providing funding for doctors and scientists to look for a cure. Okay. And so regionally and um, maybe even nationally, what are some of the more important medical centers that are um, giving you guys the support that you need to help treat this? Are there is there local hospitals that, that provide support? or um... Most hospitals have um, GI doctors that work with them. Colorectal surgeons are the other doctors. Um, we have many good hospitals here in Orange County, some excellent hospitals up in L.A. So we, we get support that way. We always ask our doctors to support our walk. You mentioned one of the, some of the things we do here um, locally. One of the things is we have what's called a Take Steps Walk, which, as you mentioned, takes place right here at, in Aldridge Park at the UCI campus. And um, we have several groups, um, a couple nurse groups from Hogue support us, a couple doctor groups from the community support us, and UCI always pulls out a big team for their medical group, their digestive disease um, center. So the doctors that are treating you boys are um, immunologists, gastroenterologists? uh, Gastroenterologists. I mean, I have an immunologist just because... This is Brandon talking, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. No worries. Um, (laughs) I have the immunologist just um, when I found out about my um, food allergies, but um, yeah, mainly just the gastroenterologist. Okay. Um, Jake, you mentioned earlier that you are in the middle of a flare-up. What um, what do you do differently when that happens? Well, basically, every time you have a flare-up, it can be totally different. 
Uh, your symptoms can be minor. They can be major. Right now, my flare-up is mainly just affecting my joints. Um, but it could affect your stomach. Uh, it could make you have stomach pain, more bathroom visits, uh, urgencies to go to the bathroom and stuff like that. But mainly right now, it's just um, joint pain that's affecting me. Okay. Um, so tell me what this walk, this upcoming walk, is going to mean for you too. It looks looks to me like they're honoring you through this walk. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we are uh, this year's Honored Heroes, which is really cool. We get, I mean, everyone's going to be there. It's going to be a great it's going to be a great time. There's going to be food, music, and then we just walk. Um, Brandon, do you have anything to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, the walk is, it's a, you know, it's the highlight of the year for C, um, CCFA just because it's when we, you know, when a lot of people do their most fundraising, we we make our, our walk teams. We, you know, we send out everybody's story that's affected. You know, you get donations to help raise um raise money for your team to get to get it to ccfa it's um it's a really big deal and yeah, it's especially special it's you know really special this year just because me and jake you know both best friends were both the honored heroes which is you know <laughs> it's pretty, pretty really, spectacular yeah, it's been really great this year and uh I mean, it's just a blast every year i mean a whole my whole family comes out my, my grandparents come out I, I invite a bunch of my friends it's just it's a it's you feel supported. Oh, yeah. You don't feel alone. Yeah, everybody knows, you know, especially when you're part of the CCFA, you know everybody in that group with either Orange County or if you're in Los Angeles or whatever. It's it's, um, it's really great to know that everybody's here to support the same cause. Right, right. Not, you feel like you're not alone in the uh, in the struggle with um, ulcerative colitis or Crohn's. Debbie, how many people will walk on June 24th? Um we traditionally have, we've worked our way up to over a 1,000. This is our fifth year of the walk in Orange County. Um, we started relatively small. I think there were about 400 people the first year. And um, last year, I think we had 1,200 people. Um, we raised, last year, we raised over $120,000. This year, our goal is 140000 And uh, Brennan and Jake both mentioned it's really a great event. It's very family-friendly I call it really a stroll, not so much a walk. It's only about two miles around the park. I see. Um, we have strollers. We have dogs. Um, people come, and we encourage them to donate $25 to get a wristband, which includes free food, activities. And part of our part of our purpose is really just outreach and support so people know there are others suffering from this disease. They are not alone. We um, encourage people to have great teams. We have some fun team names, everything from the poo crew to gut feel, things of that nature. So the great team t-shirts. So it's a really, it's a festive, fun, fun <laughs> event. I love seeing the giggles on the boys' faces. I have a feeling you want to tell me what your team name is. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, since my, my last name is George, we, um, we came up a few years ago with the name um, Team GI George. Very and, cool. You know, Gastrointestinal so that, tract, George. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> And my team's name is the Potty Breakers. The Potty Breakers. Because <laughs> you find yourself breaking and running for the potty more often than yes. <laughs> you feel like it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Heather, what would your team name be? <laughs> oh, God. I'll, I think you should put together a team and go I think and I join. should, too. I, I don't know. I can't. I'm not. Believe it or not, potty humor is not my 
uh, forte. Oh, it is mine. You must, yeah. you know, I have an 11 year old boy in the house and we do a lot of potty talk. How about runs to the bathroom? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Very good. Very You're really good on the fly. Oh my gosh. That's funny. What are some of the other team names? Well, um, there, one of the surgeries that occurs, as Brandon said, is the removal of the colon. Sometimes that creates an ostomy. If they can't um, create a J pouch internally, they sometimes use what's called an, uh, an ostomy, usually an ileostomy, and that creates a bag. And so one of the an teams external, is actually an, an external, external bag. bag yeah. So one of the team's names is um, the Bag Ladies, oh, and wonderful. they actually wear T-shirts. And it's just it's it's almost like a little bit of a coming out that we're going to talk about it openly that. You know, this happens to some people, and it, though most people don't want to talk about it, um, this particular team's really stepped out. Right, right. Do they wear costumes to kind of go with the double entendre? Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, funny. What will you boys be wearing this time around? Usually my team, just we just all, um, my whole family will wear uh, camo t-shirts and hats and whatnot, and we'll, uh, we'll go out there all camoed up so we, we can uh, tell each other apart. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, we just usually wear matching T-shirts. Uh, last time we all wore, like, hula lays, uh, so we can all spot each other out. It was really fun. Very, very cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the foundation. Now, this is a foundation event? Yes. Um, CCFA is a national organization with 40 chapters across the United States. They, all, they actually have 140 walk sites, though, and Orange County is one of them. We um, have our own leadership board here. And so we do some fundraising throughout the year. We're actually having our first um, golf tournament in October. Um, so we, we work on our own fundraising, and um, we have five support groups. We have a parent networking group. We have a young people's group we call the National Next Generation of Leaders, and that's for 16 to 22-year-olds. They do some advocacy and community service. So we do a lot of um, different programming right here in Orange County, as well as education. We do an education symposium here in UCI every October, um, and then usually another one throughout the year. Okay. Um, are there um, grant programs, or um, can you tell me a little bit about that through the foundation? Um, can you be more specific? Well, it just the question here was um, to tell me about your grant programs. Maybe that was related to... Um, some of the fundraising efforts that you're right. doing that are more the, specific. The, I, I guess there's kind of, I, I didn't know which way you wanted to go. Number one, we do look from grant for grants and sponsorships from corporations, from foundations. Um, those are very, very important to CCFA um, to try to connect us with not only local but national organizations that want to support research and programming. And um, then we also, CCFA nationally, issues research grants that okay. go to scientists and doctors. We have something called the National Scientific Advisory Committee. That committee just met in San Diego actually last weekend, and they're charged with reading hundreds of applications for grant money and deciding who is the most worthy of getting this very valuable research dollars and doing the research needed um, to, to find a cure. And it's likely that they're going to look at who's probably the closest to cracking the code and how can we throw Absolutely. ourselves behind them. And there's, there's also a lot of work we're doing on trying to track who has the disease and what we can do about it. Okay. There's um, several, we, we do, there's a uh, genetic initiative, a pediatric initiative, and a microbiome initiative that are very important. 
all of those are tracking people throughout the country that have the disease. And if we follow them, we may be able to find the trigger that I was talking about earlier. Or the microbiome's very interesting. Okay, you have to tell us and our listeners what a microbiome is. But before you do, I just want to remind the listeners that this is Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County. And we are in the studio talking to um, Brandon and Jake and uh, Debbie about Crohn's and colitis, um, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, and the foundation. They're giving us an education here. Um, in a minute, we're going to talk about some of the early warning signs. But go ahead and tell me about this, the microbiome. I'm interested. I will try. Okay. <laughs> I am not a doctor. The, the way I understand it is our body has all of these microbes in it that, um, that need, as I think they said, billions of bacteria. In other words, it's, it's just overwhelming and how they all work together. So the question is, how do, we, how do all of those link together? And why is it important um, to have that crucial balance? In a very simplistic way, I guess I would refer it to, if anybody's ever taken an antibiotic and it's totally thrown their system off, and the doctor says, go have some yogurt. The, the probiotics in the yogurt help bring your system back in balance. This, is, this project is similar to that, and it's doing the research in a much, much more complicated way to try to figure out how everything works together. And when we get out of balance, how can we get back in? That's an excellent example. Because what we do know, we're absolutely positive at this point, is the system's out of whack. And we're it, not exactly sure why or how. In fact, I, I just heard doctors present a, a couple little tidbits that they're researching is why is it that the only people that get this disease, or the majority of people that get this disease, um, they find it's in areas that have hot water, hot running water, indoor plumbing. Remember I said it's only yes. happening in civilized Western countries. Right. So we're creating some dynamic here. One of the other doctors, the peds doctor that was talking about the pediatric initiative, talked about that there's, there's a critical time right as we wean our babies that the, the, the gut has to be in balance. And they're doing some research on that. Is that the critical time when we're, is it something we're doing when the children are very young that's creating something that we see then later on? Again, these are all just theories. These are all just research projects. But these are the kinds of things the doctors look at. So, um, so it probably helps that you all get in a room and talk to each other and be open about this. I think it does. I'll let the, the guys talk to you about that a little bit. But it, it, if you're going through a flare, you can be very isolated because it's difficult to leave your house. And to have other people sharing um, your symptoms is, is very important. Right. Um, do you, either of your parents' boys attend support groups? Uh, yes. Uh, both my mom and dad. They always both try to go. Not only can they get new info, but they can give more info to other parents that didn't know about stuff. Um, they can get new info themselves. I mean, it's just the support groups are a big help with people who have this disease. Okay. Um, how often do they attend? I guess it just depends on how, you know, you know, how busy our, you know, the whole family is. But my mom, like, my mom pretty much tries to make it every single time there's a support group meeting. Um, just to go over, you know, what what's coming up for events, what what we can do to get more parents and more families involved. Um, and my mom just loves to be there because on the occasions that new parents do show up in that meeting, when they, if they do, you know, get the word, 
that she loves to be there to you know fill them in on what the, what the whole point of the um, support group is, what the whole point of you know CCFA's um, objective is for the parents, and you know just the uh, just to get them in the loop of you know everybody that um, is involved with all sort of colitis and Crohn's and you know the people that are affected and the families that are infected are affected and uh, just how they can you know benefit from the foundation. Um, do you, how has this, I mean, you probably don't know this because you were young when you were diagnosed, but how do you think this has changed your family life? Oh, um, I can't even. <laughs> well, first of all, do either of you have siblings? Yes, I have two little brothers. One's okay. 14 or 15 and one's nine. And they have been, every time I've been in the hospital, I, they've always been asking how I've been doing. They've been very supportive with me. And through all my difficulties, they completely understand what, you know, what this disease does to me, what it does to everybody else that it, um, it affects. They, they've just been, you know, you know, obviously, you know, two little, you know, having two little brothers, we get into arguments and stuff. But the one thing they always understand is what I've been going through, what I've gone through, you know, what this disease does. And they're always, when it comes to that, they're always there to support me. Right, every right. Single time. Is there any concern with your parents that um, that the boys, the the younger siblings, might at some point show signs or symptoms of this disease? You mentioned it was genetic, so I'm sure. I mean, I know I'm a mom. I'm sure that's in the back of um, the back of their minds. I'm not too sure. <laughs> I'm sure it's gone through my mom and dad's head a, a lot, but. I haven't. They haven't really shared a lot with me about that. Um, I'm sure it does, though. I mean, just from what I've gone through, and you know, you probably show a heightened awareness if somebody yes. gets a bad case of diarrhea, or yeah. um, you know, it's probably has a whole different significance in your home. It, it does. We go a little high alert because we, I mean, we, that's pretty much what this disease. It, that's what it revolves around is your stomach. So anything going on. If my brother's got a stomach flu or whatnot, I mean, it's just, you know, we know how, we know what the symptoms are for, you know, something like IBD is happening to them. And we would know if it's just a, um, like I said, a stomach virus or whatever. So, I mean, we're always on heightened alert when something with the stomach goes on in our house. Yeah. What about you, Jake? Do you have siblings? Yeah, I have a little sister. Uh, like Brandon said, of course, she's supportive. And, um, my mom and dad, of course, are always worried that she might have a symptom. I mean, whenever she has a stomach ache, they just go, like, down a list. You're like, do you have this? Do you have this? What about this? Are you okay? But, I mean, she has, she's fine. She, as of now, we're lucky that she's not having any symptoms. And so nobody, no, nobody has had to go down that path with a sibling yet. No. Um, Debbie, let's talk about the symptoms. Some of our listeners might be thinking the same thing as they're listening to this show. I know that's pretty common when you listen to any kind of a medical show. Heather, are you sitting over there going, hmm, I think I have some symptoms? Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I mean, I am like that, though. If you tell me symptoms, I think, oh, my goodness, do I have this? Right, right. You go through some kind of a mental checklist of your own uh, body inventory. So what would some of those be? First, if I could back up and spring off that a little bit. One of the things that was explained to me when my husband was diagnosed, and by the way, then his brother was diagnosed, his brother has ulcerative colitis, is that it's more likely that it would be that siblings or cousins would have it versus necessarily parents handing it down to their children. In other words, it's not true 
heredity mm. um, as some diseases are. It's it's more it clusters in families is how it's been described to me. So um, yes, I live in terror that my children will have something. In fact, that's why I work so hard for the foundation. Is my husband and I? It's just as our prayer is: please don't let it be the babies, right. because you know we can suffer through anything with him, but we just don't want it to be the children. And hopefully, we'll find a cure before that right. would happen. Um, as far as symptoms. Um, Specifically with children, one of the number one things you look for is lack of growth. So my pediatrician was on full alert on if my children didn't show progress on a growth chart, that would be one of the first things we would look at because of the genetic predisposition to IBD. Um, For older, um, you know, once people are past the growing stage, it's really more about the stomach. It's really about... Uh, just horrendous flu symptoms, the worst diarrhea you can imagine. You mean Blo- horrendous flu symptoms all the time or before diagnosis? All the time. Okay. You know, in other words, just fever, sometimes fever, um, terrible diarrhea, frequently blood in the stool, a um, lot of cramping, um, frequency, you know, which I guess kind of goes with the diarrhea. But it's those are the kind of symptoms that happen. And then just like when you would have a terrible case of the stomach flu, inability to retain any nutrition. So then become very weak. Most IBD patients are very thin. I know when my husband had one of his worst flares, he lost 45 pounds in about two months. Oh my goodness. So wait, oh, that's interesting. You know, we didn't address the amount of time for a flare-up. When, Jake, you're in the middle of a flare-up, how much time do you hope to, um, to be in this situation? What is, what's average for you in terms of time? Well, lately I've been getting in a flare about every month, every, about every, about every one month I've been getting in a flare. So that's why we're still trying to get my medication under control and my disease under control and try to figure out what to do. Flares, sometimes they last a few weeks or they can even last even more. So I'm hoping this one doesn't go on too much longer, but if it does, I just hope it doesn't get any worse. Okay. All right. And what about you, Brandon? How long do your flare-ups last? Um, well, just my situation with Crohn's is pretty severe, so um, mine, <laughs> I think the, maybe the shortest I've ever had was maybe a three-week period, and that was just a, you know, like, that was just a quick, you know, had a week of symptoms, called the doctor, two weeks of medication, you know, kind of took it out quick, but I've had anything from, like, a month to, I mean, like, four months of just, you know, hospital visits, you know, stomach pains. It's just been, for my situation, it's been pretty rough. Okay. So what's the longest you've gone without symptoms? Maybe that's the better question. Completely symptom-free? Uh, well, where it's not really controlling your life. This past year has been really good. I've, I've had my okay. few hiccups here and there with, you know, I'll have a bad day, you know, where I can't really make it to school or, like, um, I'll have, like, a bad week. And, you know, we'll, we'll we'll go back on antibiotics or whatever medication I'm on, and it, um, it'll it resolve itself. It won't get too severe. But yeah, this past year I've been on absolutely no medication, which has been – it's not even, like – I can't even comprehend how insane it's gone from every – pill every medication under the sun has been thrown at me to absolutely nothing it's, okay, it's good. been really crazy but yeah 
wonderful. Um, you know, we brought up a topic there that we haven't really discussed yet, and that's schooling. What has school life been like for both of you? Uh, I guess I'll go first on that. Um, well, it, I mean, this disease has been... I've heard, well, when we touched topic earlier about the ulcerative colitis, I got that when I was eight, and... You know, I would occasionally miss a couple of weeks of school here and there if I had a flare. And then once I turned 10, I had a really bad flare, and that's when we removed my colon. It's been hospital visits, and I think my, my, I've had eight surgeries since then. Um, it, it's been off and on, but school, I've mi- I missed half of sixth grade, half of seventh and eighth. I finally was um, in remission for a while, and... Um, my freshman year of high school, and then after the second month of my sophomore year, it went downhill within a week. I, w- I, I mean, I was missing school weeks at a time, and then finally I had to do um, an at-home study where um, a teacher from the school would come over to my house for an hour a day, and uh, we would, you know, she would give me the work that my teachers gave me, help me out with any questions, and then um, that wasn't, I was falling f- more far and far behind with that just because it was, you know, the lack of... Um, you know, lack of material. So uh, we eventually found out about the school in our district that um actually me and Jake, <laughs> since we both had our flare, our pretty bad flare, we both ended up at. You know, I've been there since the last three years of high school, and uh, it's like an at-home study you go in when you're feeling up to it. They, there's it's like a classroom in a school, and you go there. They have teachers. It's just devoted to to a small group. Of it's it's kids. yeah. It's kids with I've seen a lot of kids with illnesses there. There's it's also kids with that are traveling a lot with sports or like maybe acting or you know they're traveling a lot around the nation and they don't have a lot of time to go to school. But so they, a true home study program. Yeah, I mean, you can go in there. You can go in there if you're feeling if you're you know don't have any, don't have any um uh, health issues. You can go there every day of the week. You know from you know I think open open at eight o'clock to two thirty. I mean. They have all the teachers there that they have, um, you know, they don't have a separate math teacher, a separate English teacher. Usually there's two teachers and they have, one does English, science, math, whatnot, and one will do history and health. I mean, it's just kind of like split between the two, but um, that is, that pretty much saved me. I'm still pretty, you know, just what I've gone through, I'm pretty far behind, but um, I'm catching up now. And I think without that school, I'd be, I, I would be unimaginably far behind in, in school. Okay. I was going to ask you, how did you keep up when you weren't in that school? You, because obviously you're advancing grades. Yeah, well, with the school, I mean, it, you can, you can, you'd advance the grade. Um, obviously, I mean, well, a big part is they, uh, they cut down the workload for you. If you're okay. having health issues, they would cut down the workload exponentially. I mean, and, it, you know, once you, if you're feeling bad, they, the teachers would totally get it. They would customize it. You know, to get the most amount of credits for the little, you know, m- you know, the bare minimum amount of work. So you're getting you the lesson without maybe all of the of the um, homework associated with it. Yeah, maybe? definitely. Like I mean, a Cliff I'll, Notes version, maybe. Yeah, it, and they give you packets, and you know, you can always come. in. teachers are ready, you know, always available. You can even call them, and say, "What's this question?" They, I know they have um, online math and uh, other. Cl- I think uh, they have an English class online too, but. You can do that if you're, you know, if you're in that situation where you're not always able to go to school. Um, but yeah, it, it's reduced workload. You know, at your own pace. At least try to get in. You know, if if you are having a lot of issues with um, um, 
you know, your health or whatnot and not being able to make it, you know, at least try to get in just to turn into work or, you know, sometimes my mom, and when I was in a really bad flare, I know my mom would take my work to school. Okay. And I would give them the work. And when, like, I'd choose a day that I felt the best, even though I wouldn't feel 100%, go and take the test, get the work for the week, call them if I needed any help. I would have my, my cousin that she would help tutor me with math and English. I would call her. We would, you know, do Skype and she would help me. I mean, she helped so much with that. And that was, that was a really big help too. Wonderful. Jake, how long have you been doing the home study program? And tell us if you like it. Well, I can definitely say I love it. Um, I mean, without it, like Brandon said, I would have been far, far behind. I mean, I was missing weeks of school at a time because I was just so sick and in a flare. And, I mean, once you go back, you get work, but then you keep getting more work and more work on top of that, and it's almost impossible to catch up. So about in the middle of my sophomore year, that's when I transferred over to that independent study. And, again, like Brandon said, we're both at that same school. So that was great, too. And the teachers there are great. The work you get is good. I mean... It's not like normal school where you have to wake up early in the morning, walk around to all your classes, carry around a backpack. You just go take some tests if you need to, ask questions, you can get your work, and then you can just work in the comfort of your own home. Do either of you um, miss or long for a traditional school experience, dances, football games, those kinds of things? Yeah, Um I definitely do, but you know I gotta come to, come to uh, terms that you know I'm not gonna be able to do that. But um, I, I've just gone through so much during high school. I just want to get my credits, get out of it, and start fresh in college and work. You know, enjoy that part of life. Since you know you can't do anything about it now, you gotta, right. you gotta work forward from there and just get get it over with. And you know, I as far as friends, I mean, you know about the dances and football games and whatnot. I mean, I had a good you know year. You know, a little over a year of high school to enjoy, you know, some of that stuff. Um, yeah, I missed a lot of the bigger stuff for, you know, your junior and senior year and whatnot for dances and whatnot. But um, it hasn't really, really affected my life. I mean, all the, all my friends that I've, you know, or my true friends that have stayed with me throughout the years of being sick, you know, I've made those, you know, in sixth, you know, sixth grade, I, I met, you know, sixth and seventh, I met my friend, one of my friends, Mason, and my, you know, Jake, and couple other friends from school and they've stuck through um stuck with me throughout all the years and That's you know, those are the true friends that you know stick with you through all the hard times you're getting a really important life lesson early in life yeah about finding true friendship yep. um debbie come in here if you would please we don't have a lot of time left but i want to be able to give the listeners something if they are feeling like they're having a strange cluster of symptoms what do you recommend for somebody to do to get connected with the support groups? And well, first of all, if, if you're feeling like you might have some symptoms and you want more information, that website, ccfa.org, is really a great place. It has a whole section on symptoms and diagnosis. Um, if you feel your doctor, obviously start with your, your general practitioner. If you feel particularly, um, you know, if you're a parent, you're not getting, the, the pediatrician isn't really responding to the symptoms and your child isn't getting any better or you feel like you're still having symptoms and you're just not getting your answers um, uh, questions to your answers to your questions um, a gastroenterologist is the way to go there are pediatric gastroenterologists um, like I said both here in Orange County and in LA that are excellent and um, 
it's it's really about finding the right doctor and getting a, a, a good diagnosis. And from there, um, again, we have a lot. We have opportunities here, education forums, and support groups that you can find on the website. Okay. And so that's where we want to direct people. Um, we've had a really interesting discussion here today uh, talking with Brandon and Jake and learning a little bit about what life is like living with Crohn's disease. You guys are young. So many people that are diagnosed with this are finding out much later in life. So you have really paved the way for some of those, like you said, Debbie, those the younger group that's getting diagnosed early. Are they getting diagnosed early because we're getting better at identifying this cluster of symptoms? Or, um, well, you know, speak to that Partially. Um, you know, I think I'll use my husband again as an example. He was having symptoms for years before he was actually diagnosed. Okay. And I think most people that, that are diagnosed with the disease have a similar situation. They look, on reflecting back, you know something wasn't right. right. But no, there is something else that's changing. Um, the numbers are just too great for okay. that to be the only reason. And um, I want to direct everybody's attention again to the upcoming walk. It is, um, you can get more information about Sunday, June 24th walk that's happening here at UCI in Aldridge Park. It's going to be a late in the afternoon walk. Is, is that because mornings are difficult? Um, I think partially. I think it also just, it's a, it makes it different. Instead of getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and rushing to Fashion Island to find a parking spot, um, this just makes it easier. Uh, registration starts at 4. The walk starts at 5. And um, in Orange County, honestly, the afternoons are a, a lot prettier in, than um, particularly in June, June than the morning, that whole June gloom off. thing. So right. we find people just love coming out. The sun usually is rolled out about 3.30 or 4, and it's a great great relaxed walk great great well if you want more information about the walk please visit the um, website that's specific to the walk and it is cctakesteps.org slash orange county and um, now if you were to go to cctakesteps.org you could find um, probably some of those uh, 140 other walks that you mentioned that are going on around the country for the uh, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis disease. And I thank you all so much for being here today. You've really been brave to come out and talk about your personal experience so that others that are going through this might find that there really is a network of, of really wonderful people. And you've certainly demonstrated that today. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's great to get the word out and let more people know what's going on and not to be afraid to speak up if you have symptoms or you have one of the diseases. Okay, good. Well, thank you. Okay, until next week, Heather, we're... Um, Our time, and stay tuned next for um, Counterspin, and then after that, Planetary Radio, and then the music continues with Kyle and Things That Are Square. Thank you for listening to 88.9 KCI FM in Irvine. <laughs>